You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is, We Have Entered Into a Covenant with Him, and it covers Mosiah chapters 18 through 24. This week I have a favor to ask. I don't know about you, but I have about had it with negative and depressing news. I delete Facebook off my phone at least once a week, but I get a lot of information from my kid's school district on there, so I end up always reinstalling it, but then I delete it again after I get disgusted. And so if anyone out there has a tender mercy that they've seen in their life, or a positive story, or a good thing that's happened to you, could you please share that with me? If you could send it to cfmweekly at gmail.com. I would appreciate it, and I'll share some of those in my future episodes, because we need to hear some good news and some good, happy things going on. So thank you in advance for that, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Okay, this week's lesson was a little bit crazy. There is so much going on in these scriptures this week, and for a while, it was a real challenge for me to figure out where to go with this. We have so many different groups of people that are popping in and out of the story, and so many things happening. The opening paragraph says, The account of Alma and his people shows what it means to come into the fold of God. When they were baptized, they made a covenant with God to serve him and keep his commandments. While this was an intensely personal commitment, it also had to do with how they treated one another. Yes, the journey back to Heavenly Father is personal and individual, and no one can keep our covenants for us, but that doesn't mean we are alone. We need each other. As members of Christ's church, we covenant to serve God by helping and serving one another along the way, bearing one another's burdens. Alma's people definitely had burdens to bear, just as we all do. And one way the Lord helps us bear up our burdens with ease is by giving us a community of saints who have promised to mourn with us and comfort us, just as we have promised to do for them. This week we start off with Alma who we know believed everything Abinadi had said and was ready to change his ways and start a new life. And he wanted to share Abinadi's words with anyone who would listen. And at this point, Alma was still in hiding. And I love this little saying in the lesson that says, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples that come from one seed. Alma was one man. He was the only one who stood up for Abinadi and believed his words. But look at what a difference he made and what a difference Abinadi made. In verses 4 through 6, it says, And it came to pass that as many as did believe him did go forth to a place which was called Mormon, having received its name from the king, being in the borders of the land, having been infested by times or at seasons by wild beasts. Now there was in Mormon a fountain of pure water, and Alma resorted thither, there being near the water a thicket of small trees, where he hid himself in the daytime from the searches of the king. And it came to pass that as many as believed him went thither to hear his words. Okay, I love that word thither. I'm going to start using that with my kids. I'm sure they'll love it. (laughs) Okay, and then after Alma had taught them Abinadi's words, he talked to the people about making a covenant with God through baptism. And in chapter 18, verses 8 through 10, Alma teaches them about the baptismal covenant. He says, And now, as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God, and to be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light, yea, and are willing to mourn with those that mourn, yea, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things, and in all places that ye may be in, even until death, 
that ye may be redeemed of God, and be numbered with those of the first resurrection, that ye may have eternal life. Now I say unto you, if this be the desire of your hearts, what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord? as a witness before him, that ye have entered into a covenant with him, that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. And I was thinking as I read these verses that these would be great scriptures to read to ourselves the next time we receive the sacrament and to really think about what our baptismal covenants mean and what we've actually promised to do and the blessings that we can receive and the blessings that we do receive because of this covenant. And if you're in a position that you're unable to receive the sacrament right now, maybe you could just read these over while listening to a sacrament hymn. I think there could be a lot to be gained from pondering these scriptures. We promise to lift and help others. We promise to stand as witnesses of God wherever we're at, and that we will serve the Lord and keep his commandments. And in turn, the Lord will pour out his spirit upon us. That's a pretty great promise. This week, while I was on the Facebook I saw a comment that someone made about these scriptures, and this person was saying how throughout most of their life, they had been really stressed out because they didn't feel like they were very good at comforting and helping other people. It just wasn't something that came very naturally to them, and they were concerned because they felt like they'd made this covenant and they wanted to be good at that, but it wasn't really very natural for them. And so finally, they realized that they did have some strengths in this area, and maybe they weren't the same strengths that their friends or neighbors or people that they knew had, but they were things that were unique to this person. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. If our Heavenly Father wanted us to be just like everyone else, he would have created us all the same, but he didn't. We're all different for a reason, and that's okay. We all have different strengths and different ways of doing things. We don't need to serve and do things just like all the other people we know to have it be good enough. We just need to listen to the Spirit and follow it and do what our Heavenly Father needs us to do in the way that He needs us to do it. And that is enough. In the lesson, it asks this question, how does the Spirit help you keep your covenant? And as I thought about that, I think really it starts with each one of us individually. We have to make the choice to do the good thing. And when we make that choice, we see the benefits of that. We're happier and we feel peace and we have the spirit in our life to help us. And I think when we experience those feelings, it just makes us want to do more of that so that we can keep that feeling and keep getting that help. And I don't know about you, but I need all the blessings that I can get. So right now I'm trying hard to do the things that I'm asked to do so that I can qualify myself for those blessings. And it really does work. Our Heavenly Father's promises are real. The next section of the lesson talks about how God's people should be united. And it talks about how Alma's people drew strength from each other as part of the Church of Christ. In chapter 18, verse 21, it says, And he commanded them that there should be no contention one with another, but that they should look forward with one eye, having one faith and one baptism, having their hearts knit together in unity and in love towards another. We are definitely not living in a very united time right now. <laughs> President Irene said that pride is the enemy of unity. And if you've been on social media at all in the past few months, you can see very clearly <laughs> that the world is very divided on pretty much everything right now. And people can get pretty nasty in defending their ideas. So what can we do as members of the church and as followers of Christ to help that situation and to be good examples of unity? Maybe instead of posting the latest coronavirus articles or 
posting things that are in direct opposition to what your neighbor just posted because you're sure that you are right and he is wrong, (laughs) no matter what side of the issue you're on. Maybe we could post uplifting messages instead from conference or quotes about unity and peace or quotes about the Savior, or just stay off social media altogether and maybe make some cookies for our neighbors instead. And I think this is a really interesting topic right now due to the fact that we haven't been at church for about two months. And I'm not going to lie, I love having church at home. I am a hardcore introvert, and not having to go out and see people is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And one of my challenges with this whole thing is not letting myself get too comfortable with it, because really, we do need each other. And our Heavenly Father expects us to help Him by helping other people. And it is a huge blessing to be able to meet with other saints and feel of each other's spirits. And I think it's going to be pretty neat when we're finally able to go back and meet together again, even though I love having church at home with my family. I just keep thinking that if that's really how our Heavenly Father wanted us to do it, and if that's really what was best for us, then that's how we would be doing it all the time. We need association with other people, and we need to take opportunities to love and to serve, because it's in doing that that we become more like our Savior. We can't do that nearly as well sitting at home by ourselves, even though I truly love it. So now we're in Mosiah chapter 19, and King Noah's people are starting to get a little restless. And there was a man named Gideon who decided that it was going to be his job to kill the king. And as he was literally chasing King Noah... Noah got up on his tall tower, and guess what was happening? The Lamanites were getting ready to attack the city. So King Noah told Gideon, hey, we don't have time for this. The Lamanites are coming. And I thought this was pretty funny in verse 8 where it says, And now the king was not so much concerned about his people as he was about his own life. Nevertheless, Gideon did spare his life. So King Noah was safe for the moment, but as the Lamanites attacked... King Noah told all the men to leave their wives and children and run away. And a lot of them did. And those that were left ended up making a deal with the Lamanites that their lives would be spared if they would give half of all they possessed to the king of the Lamanites and that they would make this tribute every year. Well, back out in the wilderness, the men that had run away and left their wives and children were feeling pretty bad about that decision and they wanted to go back. But King Noah told them no. And so guess what happened to him? In verse 20, it says that they were angry with the king and caused that he should suffer even unto death by fire. And last week we read about Abinadi and the things that he had prophesied that would happen to King Noah and his people. And guess what? Every single one of them were now coming true. In chapter 20, verse 21, Gideon says, For are not the words of Abinadi fulfilled, which he prophesied against us, and all this because we would not hearken unto the words of the Lord and turn from our iniquities? This story is a testimony to me that prophets speak the truth and that when they tell us things, we need to pay attention. I remember sitting in my stake center watching the women's broadcast when President Hinckley read the family proclamation for the first time. And I remember coming home and telling my husband about it. And at the time, we were like, okay, of course, we know all these things. Why would they need to spell it out like this? And we really didn't think that much about it. But look how much more relevant and important those truths have become with each year that goes by. When my boys were on their missions, apparently Elder Holland spoke at a worldwide training meeting, and he said that there would be a time when we wouldn't be able to meet together in our meeting houses. And I tried to find a quote, but I couldn't find one, and I don't want to be spreading false information, but both my boys heard this and said that at the time, they both thought that it was kind of a crazy statement. 
And now look what we've been doing for the past few months. Also, I know that I've read President Nelson's talk, Joy and Spiritual Survival, several times over the past few months. And even though he gave that talk before he was even the prophet, I feel like that talk was written for us right now and the things that we're going through right now. And if you look at all of the changes in the church in the past couple of years and the way things were set up before this latest crisis happened, as a church, we were completely prepared for it. From online tithing to come follow me to ministering, it all works pretty seamlessly with our current situation. And it's also a testimony to me that our Heavenly Father has a plan, which of course we all know, but maybe we need to be reminded of that once in a while when things start to get crazy. If we stay on the Lord's side, we're going to be just fine. And we see that play out over and over again in the Book of Mormon. So King Noah had a son whose name was Limhi. And when King Noah died, Limhi became the new king. And just like King Noah, Limhi also did not follow in the ways of his father. He was actually righteous. And in chapter 21, we pick back up with the story of Ammon that we were talking about a few weeks ago, where Ammon met Limhi while Limhi was walking around the outside of the city with his guards. And we know that when Limhi realized who Ammon was, he was really glad. And they talked about Mosiah and how he could read the records that Limhi's people had found. And they talked about Alma and his people and about how they wished they could find them because they would all like to be baptized. But their main goal at this point was to figure out a way to get away from the Lamanites. Well, Gideon came to King Limhi and he had a plan. And their plan was to sneak out of the city along the back way. And to do this, they were going to give the guards their tribute of wine and then a little extra wine so that the guards would be drunk and asleep and wouldn't hear this enormous group of people and livestock that just happened to be sneaking out of the city. (laughs) And this plan actually worked. The people of Limhi made it out and met up with Mosiah and his people. And apparently the Lamanites tried to track them, but after two days, the trail went cold and they couldn't find them. So obviously the Lord was with them and helped them escape the city and help them out of their bad situation. Things had been really bad for Limhi and his people, but as they began to change and to trust the Lord, things got better. And then in chapters 23 and 24, we find out what had been going on with the people of Alma. When the Lord told Alma that King Noah was coming after him, he gathered up his people and fled into the wilderness for eight days. And then finally, they came to the land of Helam and they settled there. And it sounded like things were going pretty well for the people. They wanted Alma to be their king. But just coming from his experiences with King Noah, he was not too excited about that idea. And then I thought it was pretty interesting because in verses 21 through 23, Mormon inserts these verses. He says, Nevertheless, the Lord seeth fit to chasten his people. Yea, he trieth their patience and their faith. Nevertheless, whosoever putteth his trust in him, the same shall be lifted up at the last day. Yea, and thus it was with this people. For behold, I will show unto you that they were brought into bondage, and none could deliver them but the Lord their God, yea, even the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. So one day the Lamanites come around, and the people were afraid. And Alma tells them not to worry, that if they have faith and put their trust in the Lord, that everything will be okay. So they all prayed for help, and the Lamanites' hearts were softened towards them. And instead of warring with the people of Alma, they were sent to the land of Amulon. Well, Amulon had also been one of the priests of King Noah, and he knew Alma, and he didn't like him very much. So he and his people made things very difficult for Alma's people, so much so that they weren't even allowed to pray or they would be killed. 
but that didn't stop them from praying in their hearts. And the Lord, of course, heard them and knew what they needed. In verses 13 and 14 of chapter 24, it says, And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came to them in their afflictions, saying, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort, for I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. And I love how he says that one of the reasons that he was allowing them to struggle is so that they can be witnesses for him later on when things have gotten better. We have trials for a reason, and some of those reasons are to help us and to help inspire other people. Alma and his people were able to be okay through their trials until one day the Lord told Alma to get the people out of the land and that he would put a deep sleep upon the Lamanites so that Alma's people could get out. And that's exactly what happened. And eventually, guess where they ended up? (laughs) In the land of Zarahemla with Mosiah and Ammon and Limhi. And I've been amazed over these past couple of months how relevant these lessons seem to be to our current situation. At the end of this lesson, it references a talk by President Monson called, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And in it, he says this, Whenever we are inclined to feel burdened down with the blows of life, Let us remember that others have passed the same way, have endured, and then have overcome. The history of the church in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times, is replete with the experiences of those who have struggled and yet who have remained steadfast and of good cheer. The reason? They have made the gospel of Jesus Christ the center of their lives. This is what will pull us through whatever comes our way. We will still experience difficult challenges, but we will be able to face them, to meet them head on, and to emerge victorious. From the bed of pain, from the pillow wet with tears, we are lifted heavenward by that divine assurance and precious promise. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Such comfort is priceless. Alma's people were comforted. Limhi's people were comforted. Ammon and Mosiah's people were comforted. And we can also be comforted and find peace as we try our best to live the gospel of Jesus Christ the best we can. No matter what is happening or not happening in our lives, like President Nelson said, we can still find joy. Thank you so much for listening to my somewhat jumbled thoughts this week. (laughs) I hope you're all having a good week and that things are going well. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at comefollowmeweekly and send me your good news at cfmweekly at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear what everyone has to say.